And you're very welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast and it's episode 85 and tonight we're talking about why it's good to travel. I don't know who you are, but welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast. Sit back, relax and listen about cameras, gear, settings, stories and all things photography. Join Dermot and Darren on Ireland's Best Photography Podcast. Let's go. And you're very welcome to this week's episode of the Irish Photography Podcast. Myself and Dermot are split up again now, so he's back in HQ and I'm down in Cork. How are things with you, buddy? All is good now, buddy. Uh, loads of preparations there in the last week with my uh, scuba club, Limerick Sobacco Club, about the dive show coming up on the 8th and the 9th. I think it's the 8th and 9th of March, so I'm really excited about that, man. Things are, are really starting to fall into place, and some of my favourite photographers all around the world are coming to Limerick to see me, just me. <laughs> Happy days, man. Happy days. Yeah, you know what? I, what you showed me looks class, I have to say. So mm. I'd say it'll be a, a great event because you were there last year as well from the podcast point of view. And now you're going there this year and you're armed more than what you said you were going to be armed with last year yeah. when you were at it. Yeah, yeah. I really, I genuinely, I, I can't wait. Now, I'm a joke when I say they come see me. They're coming to see a whole lot more than just me. There's tons and tons of photographers that are coming just to see some of these guest speakers and not just talk about photography but talking about conservation and wildlife and everything like that so even if you're not into scuba diver an underwater photographer and just an arm photographer I think this is something that you really should attend yourself so for anyone who's out there just check it up on Facebook like you know it's just it the preparation is going really really well and I can't wait for it man genuinely that's actually a very good point, you know, for somebody who's not into scuba diving, but can learn in regards to nature and the environment, because that's what we go out in all the time and take photographs of. So, yeah, that could be quite interesting and appealing to a lot of people from different talkers or speakers that are coming to it as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. One of my favorites would be Nick, Nick Pfeiffer. He he uh, he was actually in Norway when I was there, actually, but he was a, a, oh. a bit further north and he was... Uh, diving with uh, killer whales, or I think it was killer whales, um, so up in the fjords up there, so I'm really excited to see, because I haven't seen anything from him online on what he got there yet properly, right. so I'd say he's holding out for the show to show people what he's doing, so he's going to do a big talk on that. Oh, class, that sounds great. And come here, speaking of actually, you know, when you were away, and now obviously he was away, and different people from around the world are going around taking photographs and exploring new places. And it's something that I wanted to discuss this evening was, you know, why it's good to travel. So you and I, we've traveled quite a bit uh, over the last two years. I and mean, mm. not as that as you, you know, you could say, okay, we didn't go really, really far away, but you did go quite far away. You went up into the Arctic Circle. So, you know, I was thinking after our trip when we were away as well, that why is it good for a photographer <coughs> to travel? Because traveling with your camera is a whole different ball game than traveling on holidays, isn't it? I would thoroughly agree with you. Think of it this way. If you have special K for your breakfast every day for a year, it gets mm -hmm. kind of boring, it gets stagnant. But if you all of a sudden have muesli with orange juice, it's something different. It's something exciting. So it's the same as traveling. Don't get me wrong. Ireland is one of the most iconic and beautiful places with our rugged coastline and the guy the marketing 
genius that named it the Wild Atlantic Way has made something <laughs> that was there all along. He just gave it a title and whoa, lo and behold, it's just the best thing ever. But it's good to kind of experience new things. You know, get out of your comfort zone and like 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 we did, we went to snow and it was really, really challenging. And you alluded to it on the trip a lot of time was that you were exhausted simply of walking through the snow and falling into two feet of snow and not knowing that you were going to fall <laughs> into two feet of snow. <laughs> and it was very challenging. But again, it's good to do those things because it's different. Yeah. I fully agree with you. You know, I mean, look, when you go traveling and go traveling with your camera, actually, before we even go to that, we should talk about traveling with your camera gear. So did you have any issues traveling with your camera gear going through the airports? Absolutely not. I I was very forthcoming of what I had. Uh, so when I went into customs, or not customs, what's it called through the scanners? I don't know. Security check. Security check. I literally, because oh, we all have rear entry camera bags, the majority of us, just say 90%. So I'd open it and I'd fold the 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 lap the lap the the cover under the camera yes. bag and have my cameras and lenses exposed so yes. they see what's going through and yes. they don't hide anything. I don't try to keep it all closed. Take out the laptop, take out the iPad, chuck them into a different one, but then I leave the bag opened for them to see. The, and then that way, then they don't ask you to take out batteries out of this compartment. I'm not trying to hide anything. And I get through. I've never been stopped, not once. And I've been traveling quite a bit. Yeah, I've never been stopped either. I mean, you know, I think we alluded to it there uh, maybe last year on, on an older pod. But only every time I've had a difficulty traveling is when I had one of those lens balls in the bag. What do you mean lens so balls? The lens balls, you know, the crystal ball that you can make <laughs> photographs through. What did they um, say to you? What are you trying to do? Cast a spell in Shannon Airport? Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd say <laughs> it, was actually, it, it was actually in, where was it? In Wisconsin, <laughs> in, I know, in Chicago, I think, O'Hare Airport in Chicago. And I was flying to San Francisco and they didn't know what to make of it. I'd say it must have sent the x-ray machine completely <laughs> everywhere with all the reflected light and everything else, all the beams bouncing off itself. They must have went, whoa, man, there's something mystical, an orb or something inside here, you know. But I've never had an issue with anything. And when we were traveling then as well, um, recently to go to the Dolomites, exactly that, you know, I go up to the security. I and mean, most people kind of ask the question, you know, have any problems getting through or anything like that? We both have the low pro powder bag, no problem whatsoever. Yes. Straight in, as you say, open it up, show what's inside in it, tell the guys, any electronics? Uh, yeah, it's all electronics. Huh? What do you yeah. mean? I said, well, there you go, like, you know. But mm -hmm. you never have an issue. So people that would think, oh, I can't travel with this, I can't travel with that. The only bit of advice I would give is your tripods. Put your tripod, or tripods, and on you and me, but put them into your, your, um, your hand luggage or your stowaway luggage so that it doesn't have to be attached to the camera bag because... It's going to get caught in everything. It's going to be stuck onto the yeah. side of the bag or anything like that. But putting it away into your other bag, let's just say, it's much easier to be able to travel with, you know. Yeah. Um, but saying that then, like I said, when we were traveling with the camera gear, and I, you alluded to it when we were walking around in the mountains trying to traverse a small enough area, but not knowing where you're going to step, it's important that you don't bring the kitchen sink with you when you go traveling as well from a camera gear point of view i know you're different because you know you have to bring everything because you know you've got an emotional attachment to everything shiny but you don't have to bring everything that you would normally bring if I you're going to go dig for, for yeah. say west cork or kerry or dublin or whatever it may have been you know but 
then when we think about it, when you get somewhere new, look about all the unexplored areas that you have to explore and find. So when we went to the Dolomites or when you went to uh, Norway or when you and I went to the Lake District. Now, I'd been to Lake District before, granted, but neither of us had been to the other locations before. So every step that you take is a fresh um, step, would you think? Yeah, it's it's almost stepping into the unbewildered, you know, into the unknown. Like mm -hmm. you don't know what to expect only for the fact of what you see online and it's never the same now you see all these lovely pictures of let's just say Uteclave or Flagstad Beach or uh, Tresheme you know all these things and they look fantastic but when you see these things in real life for the first time yourself like the Aurora is the prime example for me the, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I became numb to them online Oh, yeah, they're pretty. They've got green and purple lights. Whoop-de-doo. Yeah. What's so feckin' fantastic about that? Yes. But when I get there, I, I I find it hard to explain what I'm feeling when I see them for the first time. Just dancing so majestically through the sky in this uniformed order. And chaotic all at the same time. <laughs> I can, yeah, yeah, I guess it's just... Wow. And you, know you can't even say nothing. You just have to scream with excitement uh, that you're witnessing this, that some people pay extortionate amount of money to go see them without a camera, just to visit as a tourist, and they might not yes. get to see it. But yes, I get to see it three nights out of four nights that I was there for, and it was just mesmerizing. And it's, like you said, it's something totally different to the Wild Atlantic Way. It is, but you know, you say it there as well that you've seen all these places online before you even went there, but then all of a sudden it was a natural phenomenon which made it stand out even more so. So to go back to what we would have said in a couple of previous episodes, you know, about the conditions that you get can change something completely and can bring it from something you've seen before to something you've never seen before. <laughs> and I remember sending you a video uh, oh, this is a long way to go. It was actually Mass Peter Everson had a video when he was in Norway and he was handheld with a camera. Oh, and yeah. He videoed and you could hear him leaving out the screams. And I was, man, check this out. And you were like, ah, yeah, meh. Yeah. Was like, what is he talking about? <laughs> like, and now all of a sudden you've experienced it yourself. So that's yeah. exactly the point. You know, you go and explore new areas, you go and explore new territory, you go do things that you've never done before, but you're taking your camera with you which makes it all the better because, as you say, people pay a fortune to go there, but they don't bring back any memories from it. No, do you get me? No, no, no. Absolutely do not in any way, shape or form. But would would you feel the same way, you know, when, when you went to Buttermere for the first time? Like, what were you feeling when you got there? Well, I'd seen photographs of Buttermere online before I went, which is another good reason, too, to go traveling because, you know, you're not going to go into the unknown. You're going to go to the areas that you see people have taken photographs before. So you kind of know what to expect. I slightly differently then would watch videos of people that have gone there to see what they saw and what the whole topography is. It's like, oh, hang on, what's over here? And just looking at the still image, let's just say. Mm -hmm. But in, in Buttermere, my first time going there was with Terry McSweeney when I went over to Bolton for a talk by Thomas Heaton and I said to Terry we'll go off up to the Lake District okay off we go up to the Lake District and we found Buttermere and the moment I walked there I went it's not what I thought it was going to be 
it's completely different to how I imagined it. Because if you remember, when you went to Buttermere, we went in and went down and you turn right and you got that wall with yeah. a gate. Yeah. And I was expecting to see the pine trees, the famous Buttermere pine trees. I hadn't seen them because that way brings you pointing the opposite direction to, if you remember, where the, where the pine trees were. Yes. So my first impressions were, this isn't Buttermere. What am I, what am I, what am I at? And then I turned left and all of a sudden it started to reveal itself. And I went, oh yeah, man, this is beautiful. But... We didn't have still water. And I remember, so I told you this when we were there at the time, mm. I told the story before, but, you know, I'd said to Terry, like, you know, Terry, you know, we'll hang on, it'll, it'll go flat. No, I'm cold, I'm going to go away. Terry, it'll hang on, it will go flat. And bang, just as the sun had set, it went flat. And the same thing happened with you and me yeah. uh, when we were there as well, you know. So it's a place that seems to always deliver quite a lot of shots but there's one caveat to that i think and with bonamere you are limited in where you can go and where you can stand because it's a path around a lake um so the different types of shots that you can get ultimately are always going to be not infinite but they'll be limited and you'll find a lot of repetition of the different types of shots that you'll see from that area so what i like then about doing that when you go traveling is you might see something that you go yeah I like that shot. You're not going to want to take exactly the same shot. You're going to want to take your own take on that. So interesting you mentioned Buttermere because the morning that you went off and decided to walk through a stream, which actually ended up being a river. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I spotted the tree that was up on the left-hand side, and I thought, okay, you know what, I find a shot here that I hadn't seen before. So I was able to find find something different, but... It was, you know, nothing like the norm that I'd seen in the other shots. So I was able to make it my own. How about you in Budimir, for example? Because we bought yeah, we together in that it was kind of similar to you. It, it just transformed. And the funniest thing about it is because you said to me, "Those sheep will move <laughs> over there." I was there going, "What the? F- are you the sheep whisperer or something that you? Is he after telling you that I'm, we're all going to go over there?" And I was there going, "He's." I actually thought you're mad. I was there going, is he actually <laughs> drunk off two drinks? I can't, this is insane. And I couldn't believe it, Darren. The sheep all started walking the second the sun went round over to the next field. I was there going, how the feck is he after <laughs> knowing that? I, I, just, I just couldn't believe it. Genuinely, I, was, I, I genuinely thought you were the sheep whisperer. thought it was something nah. to Maxi Zoo or something. I don't know. But... <laughs> But it just, the place transformed when the water just went pure reflective, pure still. Now, we didn't get the most amazing light, but we still, like I have a picture right up there and it's a panorama panel and there's like seven images all stitched together of Buttermere and it's just, it's still to this day one of my f- most famous shots, not most famous, my, one of my f- most favourite shots, it's where yes. I was fucking Thomas Eaton, like one of yes. my most favourite shots. <laughs> yeah. And you have to ask I, him, has he seen it? I, I, I love it. And like you did, you brought me there kicking and screaming, I didn't want to go, but uh, lo and behold, it's probably one of my most f- favourite places to go and I'm itching to go back there again. And it's just, I love it. Well, here's the thing then as well, right? When you go traveling to a place like that and you want to go take those pictures. So you found the spot you want to go to. You've seen something online. You go, yeah, okay, I like that. I want to make my own. You figure out how to get there. You're traveling how far away you are from home, whatever it might be, 100 miles, 200 miles, 500 miles, 1,000 miles, whatever far distance that you want to travel. Mm. 
one thing that you have no control over, and this is what I, I really love about traveling for photography, is you have no control over the weather whatsoever. No, no. So, you know, you're limited in the window that you are there to be able to get the photographs that you need to get. And a case in point, if you think in regards to when we went to the Dolomites recently, so we had clear skies almost every single day. And that, from a photography point of view, is exceptionally challenging. Mm. But there's nothing you can do about that. Like you, you can move to a different area, but you're still going to have no clouds. I mean, you know, it's just clear skies. And I mean, that then it, ultimately it forces you to think differently, but it also challenges you because on top of this, you're also in an unknown. So you don't know where the, the actual composition is that you might be looking for. You haven't been there before. You haven't scouted it. So now you're totally reliant on just going with the flow of where you are and making the most of the conditions that you have. So that has to improve your photography, would you think? Yeah, it, it, it definitely does. Or you can just cheat the whole system and throw in the sky, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know you did, yeah. <laughs> I come here, I'm totally open to what I do. I never try to hide anything. You know, if, I'm, if I can't get what I'm trying to achieve, then I'm, I'll say, oh, yeah, I put in a bit of clouds just to make it that more dramatic or that more interesting. But you are right. It is far more challenging and you do have to work for a shot. So I think that if you do have to use more challenging skills, that you have to use your composition far more yes. creatively than yes. you would rely on the sky to do the work for you. So you think you go look for certain rocks, certain patterns, certain symmetry in your foreground to... Uh, eliminate the the lack of clouds in the sky, the lack of dra dramatic a dramatic scene. So you definitely use your rule of thirds then by using two thirds of the ground rather than two thirds of the sky, which uh, some of us use. And, and when I'm using panels, then I like to do it in the middle. So it it makes it that more challenging. So you'll have to use like barely any sky for a panel. Then just kind of make it yeah that much better. And like I do have a panel actually. I'm from the Dolomites and there is no sky whatsoever. So what I've done is I've used barely any sky and I just yes. kind of, you know, filled it in with foreground as much as I could. But it still came up like a, a nice image. Very, very much so. It looks like Mordor in the, dis in the distance when we went up to that uh, ski uh, place. Oh, yes. It's about 3,000 metres high, I think. Do you remember we got, uh, we thought we were going to fall off the thing to try to... Yeah, Cinque Cinquatore, yeah, yeah. It was the yeah, yeah. day two, end of day two. And actually, it's interesting you mentioned that because before that, that's in the Paso Falderez, I think is in it pronunciation, but that was just down the end of there where we pulled off the side of the road and we went exploring in that hip-high snow. Mm. And, like, that's a brilliant example, as you mentioned, about having to think differently now because all of a sudden we're all looking for patterns in the snow we're all looking for shadows in the snow we're all looking for things that will fill the frame but without the sky but we did have that big peak that was right mm -hmm. behind it which was absolutely gorgeous peak and i can remember when we just arrived there and i looked and i went okay what am i going to photograph here and how am i going to photograph it and for me straight away i went okay this is extremely bright light it's half 12 during the day i think it was we were like in the worst yeah. timing let's just say to take photos but my God, we had fun trying to get around the snow. But like I said a moment ago, what I thought of was black and white. Yeah. So 
I was just looking for the, the, the contrast that you could find within the whole thing. So even on that, for me, you know, with, with the, 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 the vlog that I've made for that segment of the trip, I've gone completely black and white. And it's, you know, it, it changes it then completely because you've got the blue sky. Okay, it's blue sky, but bang, all of a sudden you see the mountains that are popping out even more so. And it's about the contrast. It's about the blacks and the mm. whites, you know what I mean? So that's where I think that if you've got a limited window, it has to improve you because you have to think differently in how to get a shot and not just take out your phone typically, because that's what you could do is take out your phone and take a photograph of the conditions that you would have on that day. Yeah. They are challenging. But like, like yeah. when, when we went to that, that side road place, it, it was so challenging that the sky was so blue, I had to reduce the blues because it looked so fake. Yes. Even though it was real. Yes. You know, it's like if we posted that image online when I got home, everyone would be like, ah, they oversaturated that picture. That was a lot of yes. crap. We we actually didn't. It's actually really that blue. Like, like even my time-lapse, that no, the time-lapse from that uh, so far is my favourite time-lapse that I've ever It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It is insane. It is. It's beautiful. Tack sharp. I mean, yeah. it's just sick. And uh, I think that's definitely one of going to be one of my favourites. Like, yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, go and, on. And, and even in that as well, when you looked at that, did you notice the glistening in the snow? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so I mean, like that completely changes when you take your photo. And like you, you when we got to the top of Cinque as well, I mean, I noticed the same thing. I was like, okay, well, I try on the polarizer here. For what? There was no need to try on the polarizer. The sky was already almost dark black as it was. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but even there then, when we're looking at the, the snow, I found some crazy stuff in the snow just by looking at your feet. And that's what I loved about it because we had no choice. Like we didn't have to say, okay, we'll go 40 miles this way because you're not going to have any different conditions. So, but where we went to, we had perfect conditions for Alpine glow. And mm. I think that to me was looking, like I say, we're in a short window of time. You go there at other times of the year, you're not going to be guaranteed clear skies. You're also not going to have snow on the peaks. And even in the mornings, if you can remember, well, maybe you didn't remember that morning, your eyes were probably closed. But when we were driving to the frozen lake, it was pitch dark, but you could just see the mountains glowing on the road. And it was just nuts to look yeah. at. Yeah, my eyes were closed. And... Uh Darren sends me his vlogs quite often before they get released to the wild. And <laughs> to kind of prove it, you know, and give him a hand. And you sent me the one of that morning. And I was I genuinely 100% jealous when I saw the pictures that you got from there and the conditions and the scene that was there. And even from watching your video, man, I was there going, there's a composition. Oh, there's another yeah. one. Oh, there's another one. Oh, look, there's another one. Darn, turn around, there's a composition over there. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just, yeah. oh, it was insane, man. I just, I'm, I'm really gutted. I missed that, but I was kind of better off because I probably would have drowned in the lake somewhere. I was so fucking hungover. You, you couldn't have drowned there. It wasn't deep enough. But you know what? That morning, incidentally, I experienced something I'd never come across before. And it, again, it talks about the limited window of time that we're there. So we're there for the cold season, right? Mm. But we're to this lake, like uh, Lake de Lagdoro, I think was the name of the lake, right? But if you remember, when we were going taking photos of the mountains, you had a bit of snow, but you could see the rock face. But here, we were surrounded 
by mountains that were covered in snow. So there was certain areas, yes, where the sun would have hit them, so it would melt. But I think that we were at the north side of uh, a mountain ridge that was blocking all the heat that would have come from during the day. So when we arrived there in the morning, it was almost an instant temperature drop. And I have never experienced this before. It was that I had the tripod. I got, I went into the water. The water was flowing. And the reason it didn't freeze is because it was a constant flow. Mm-hmm. And I was fi- trying to figure out where it was a constant flow. And I looked back up and I saw what I thought was a waterfall. It turns out it wasn't a waterfall. It was a pipe of some sort pushing water. But it wasn't you know, wastewater. It was crystal clear mountain water. It was just pushing it through underneath something else. But it was pushing the water up. So that then just created a canopy above the water of frozen ice and like that had built up over time right so you could tell how cold the whole place was but i got a splash of water on the legs of the tripod yeah and then i wanted to get down and take a photograph and i couldn't twist and push the tripod legs back in because there was an entire layer of ice after forming on top of the tripod and even i thought hang on do i just break the water here i said no because if i just break the water and twist the lever when i push it back up into itself ice is sharp when it's there in that that form so i could destroy the inside of the tripod and i went okay i can't do that so i had to leave it there that was the first thing second thing i noticed then is i had a splash of water in the front of the lens and i tried to rub it off and it didn't come off and i was like oh okay i stupidly without even thinking and the moment that i did it i went oh you fool what did i do (laughs) (sighs) onto the lens and it instantly froze on the front of the lens Mm. so it was that cold it was unbelievable. Bernard uh, <laughs> decided he wanted to stick his his beard into the water to kind of show how fast and how cold it was. And literally, it took probably around about a minute, let's just say, and the water had frozen solid on his beard. That's it was insane. that cold. Yeah. So, you know, look, that's uh, an incredible thing, I suppose, uh, you know, like I said, to experience. So, look, what we're going to do now, dear is we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Do you want to take your photography up a level? Do you want to hit that shutter from 100 feet away? Or perhaps you'd like to take your images remotely? With a built-in motion, light and sound sensor, you can capture unique shots and incredible time lapses. The Capture Pro from Hanel has got all that covered and more. Visit hanel.ie. And you're very welcome back to the Irish Photography Podcast. And we're still here and we're talking in regards to why it's good to travel. And Dermot, I'd like to talk about something next is that, again, you and I have experienced it on a couple of occasions, but is it good to travel on your own or with a friend or is it good to travel with a guide? And, you know, a guide brings so many different things to the table um, in regards to, you know, they've got knowledge of the area. So you don't have to know the intricate details of certain things or how to find places or get maps or anything like that. Um, they can give you maps. They can give you directions. Or you can have a guide that even has transportation that can bring you around to these places so you don't have to worry about getting lost. You don't have to worry about trying to find X, Y, and Z. You just sit back, sit into the car, whatever it may be, and you're brought to the destination mm. now you and i have experienced that on a couple of occasions with um with bernard but i mean as a general rule do you find it as an a, an advantage to a photography trip or would you think go off on a lone wolf i think it's i think it's good to experience both things uh, at different occasions uh me personally like if you think of it 
Uh, Pavel is away in Iceland on his own, I think, at the moment. You know, and Pharaohs. In the Pharaohs, that, that's where he is. Like with, with a body of his, I think, or something. He was there last week, yeah. But like he's there, you know, he doesn't have a guide and he's kind of go around and kind of drive to these locations himself. He's got yes. to rely on his knowledge. His, uh, he's got to look after the van. He's got to rent something. He's got to sort insurance. He's got to do this. He's got to do that. He's got to organize everything. Yes. Whereas if you have a guide, they more or less do everything for you. You just have yes. to rock up with your tripod and take your photograph. Think of it this way, but like if, if you have come home, you have to cook your whole dinner and then you have to eat it and then you have to clean up after you. That's a yes. long process. This, uh, it takes two, three hours, whatever, to do all that. Whereas if you go to a restaurant, you order dinner, a chef will cook it for you, they bring it out to you and all you have to do is eat it. So it's yes. the same type of thing in a weird way. And then you don't have to clean it either. So <laughs> that's what the waiters for. I, I agree with you, you know, and you have a very, very valid point on it. But I would say one thing is that, you know, going with a guide, it has loads and loads of merits. But if you look at, say, Pavel as an example, he might want to stay somewhere longer. And he can't do that if he's in a group with a guide, unless okay. he's on a one-to-one. So that can be an advantage to saying, okay, I'll go off with my Todd. Yeah, okay, i got to do all this. i got to get all this organized. But you've hit a very valid point there is that when you go to, like to say, Iceland and the Faroes, it's not cheap. To no. be able to be renting a car. And if you're there on your Todd, you're taking the whole weight of that. Whereas if you're going in a group, all that is factored in. So you're getting a dilution depending on the amount of people that would be there. So it can still, you know, work out a hell of a lot cheaper for you for that proportion of a trip. And yeah. then on top of that, you know, you go to a place that you've never been to before and you might go on to TripAdvisor and you might say, okay, what's this place like to stay or Airbnb? You don't know what you're going to. You don't know exactly where it is. You don't know the proximity, how long it's going to take you to get to X, Y, and Z. You don't know, are the conditions, for argument's sake, if where you're staying, is it going to be difficult to get out of there early in the morning, or is there going to be congestion that you're not aware of, or is there a different or faster route? Is there certain roads that are closed at certain times of the year? You won't know all of that. You're taking a bit of a chance in regard to it. So is there more of a risk then, per se, with, like we said in the first uh, segment, the limited time that you have is there too much planning let's just say to be to be done but at the mercy of the conditions whether it goes right or wrong well if i'm going away i'm just going to go away with you because i'll let you plan everything <laughs> true story there's yeah, a method to my madness and it works yeah true 60 percent yeah. of the time every time <laughs> That's a reference to Anchorman. Um, yes. But <laughs> I don't really talk like that. But no, it's... Uh, I, I don't lie when I say that either. Do you know, you're, you're very good at planning. I'm not so much, but I still... I, I, I'll go to the Cliffs of Moher. I'll go somewhere. And do you know, when I get there, I, I kind of feel like I get the most out of the scene. But there comes a time where I really do need to plan my own trip a bit better. Uh, landscape wise, weddings wise, I'm I'm down to a T. It's just I don't know, I'm very relaxed and daisy about landscape photography. I just leave things come to me, you know, and I try to adapt to what's ever in front of me. But coming back to a guide, me personally, I prefer to go with a guide. I just I love the camaraderie with a group. So take my trip to Norway, for instance, none of us knew each other really. Well I knew Kevin going there, Kevin Carr. 
And then I got to meet up with another few people on the crew that went to the trip and we became friends for life, genuinely. Uh, like, And then we only met each other for four days and I feel like I know them better than some of my own friends. Do you know, mm. when you're living yeah. with someone for four days straight, you get to, and you're photographing, I don't know, 12 hours of it a day. So you really get to know them, you know, inside out. And we're learning from each other then. You said it a while ago, like, like I learned something from Kevin or Kevin will learn something from me and you know, vice versa. It's just, I love that. And even for uh, Maraid, one of the girls there, like she's basically a newbie f- to photography. And I got a kick. I got so much enjoyment out of seeing her enjoyment when she got a certain shot and she was over the moon with it. I'm like, and she was jumping up on the, up and down off the ground. I loved seeing that. So yes. it's like uh, being a team player for a soccer team or GA or basketball, or whatever. When your teammate makes a great move and scores or whatever, you know you're happy for them. You're happy for your team, and that's the way I feel. I just I love teams. You know, I just I've been brought up that way my whole life. So let let me give you a challenge. So on something, okay? So you're entering photos now into some contests uh, already, okay? Mm-hmm. So let's say that you get bitten by that bug and you want to be the best landscape photographer in Ireland okay yeah and to get it you've got an idea for a shot you're not going to want to go on a group trip to get that shot that you want to have uniqueness of you're going to want to be going on your own otherwise you won't have a unique shot correct yeah uh, you can argue both sides. So can can they get the same compositional value that you can get from a certain scene? Like you say, is it the scene that presents itself to you, or is it the photographer capture his own the image. Image, the image? You know, yeah. So you you have a point, and you don't have a point in the same way. <laughs> well, I mean, look, that's why people will go off and do their own thing because they want to get those unique conditions. They want to get that unique shot. They don't want to be part of a group of six other people that have exactly the same shot per mm. se, particularly if you want to have, okay, let's say, what's your man's name? Peter Lick or whatever his name is. I mean, he's going to go off and put a photograph in his gallery and sell it for whatever obscene amount of money. He's going to want to have something, okay, hopefully he's got one that's actually real and it's not put together from <laughs> 25 took the words out of photos. Out. Yeah, but <laughs> you know what I mean? He's going to want to have a photograph that's unique. And when you go to with a group of people, even if, you know, you, men- you remember Nick Page, when he spoke to us about the wave photograph yeah, and his Cape, buddy was there with him and Cape they both fear. almost, yeah, no, Cape, um, Cape disappointment. That's it. Um, yeah. And, you know, his buddy was only a foot next to him, but they both almost took the shutter at exactly the same time. There's only a slight movement of a difference yeah. in the photograph, but like that's uncanny, but great because now two people got such an incredible shot. But if you think of that, then what happens if there was, 10 people there and it wasn't just a movement of a wave it was a certain condition in regards to the light that happened it lit something up bang it never lights up like that you get this shot but so does nine other people so you know there are merits to a group absolutely and i'd be an advocate of it from the camaraderie point of view that you mentioned the people that you you meet that made the trip i mean you know you mentioned about the Norway trip that I never got to go on, so don't mention any more, please. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I did get to go on the Dolomites trip. And just like that, I mean, you know, we met a great bunch of people who only after four days, we went, man, how long do we know each other? Only yeah. four days? I mean, it felt like a lot longer. I and mean, that's in a good way, by the way, not in a long way. You know what I mean? It was, it was like the fucking, uh, what's that film, Step Brothers? It's like, uh, what's your favorite color? 
Blue, what's your favourite toy? This, that. Did we just become best friends? <laughs> that's the way myself and Patrick were over in fucking Dolomites. Yeah, like, we're like, yeah, we're just best friends now for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick is a gent, I have to say, you know. But like, <laughs> e- even, even at that, the group of people that we met, right, I learned from them, they learned from us. And, yeah. you know, as you say, like, we, we make friends there that we shared the experience with. So we didn't just go out and do it on our own as well. And if you think about life, life is about sharing an experience. So you either take a photograph of it and share it with somebody else via the internet or whatever it may be, or you share a moment with somebody else. But to be able to have your camera there again to capture that moment thereafter, I think is a phenomenal thing to be able to have. Another merit as to, you know, why it's good to travel with photography. Yeah, yeah. Um, something else, I suppose, that it comes into mind, and again, you 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 said it earlier on about when we were up in uh, Treshumay. I mean, that's two thousand four hundred meters, and we were trudging through snow, and I was absolutely burnt out from it because you didn't know what step you were going to take. Yeah. If it was going to be an inch, a foot, two feet, three feet, you know, like it was incredible. We were walking through in it, right? But by getting out and going to these places, you are no doubtly going to explore. So if you're a roadside photographer here and you know all the places that you go to and you drive up and you rock up you know you've got a five minute walk to this place you'll do it because it's comfortable and it's easy and it's kind of a gravitatory where you gravitate back to gravitatory gravitatory i did yeah you can edit it out or leave it in whichever you want or but even in gravitatory gravitatory yeah so that's a new know, one you, you have a gravitatory place that you go to there yeah yeah you take those photos but you, 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 you're going to walk through different areas and you're going to go hiking and you're going to go exploring. So ultimately, it's going to improve your fitness more so as well. And I think definitely the height that we were at in the Dolomites was very challenging from the quality of the air, let's just say, or the thinness of the air. Did but you feel the thinness of the air? I did, yeah, at times. At times. I did not. I don't yeah, know I why. Did, I did at times, yeah. Um, but I... A few times that I did was that when I was unknown when I was walking through the snow at the side of the road because you take one step and it came up to my hip and the next step went up to the the other hip and then I fell and my left arm went down into the snow so I was up to my shoulder. So the only thing that was remaining up in the air was my arm in the air with the tripod thinking, how am I going to get out of this? <laughs> what can I put any pressure on? There was nothing really. It was just incredible, you know. So like, that's roll good. through the snow. <laughs> Yeah, it was like more or less that exactly yeah. what I did to try and get out of it. So, yeah, you know, it was challenging and plus carrying the gear. So a few times I just left the gear down. I walked away without it because it's an extra weight, as we had said from the outset, you know. Mm. <laughs> um, how about when you go to uh, foreign lands or travel to different places? You are going to visit the icon- iconic spots. You are going to go to the big areas. You are, you know, you've got a limited window. Are you going to go to the Dolomites as an example and not go to any of the places that we went to, but going to go off for four days to try and find your unique shot? No, you're not. You're not. I don't care who you think you are. You're You're not not going to do it. You're not. The only only time you'd ever do that is if you were after going to the Dolomites 150 times and you said, okay, I've done everything now because so many beautiful shots to take there. So many beautiful areas. And yeah, okay, they are iconic shots, but man, like, I've seen some of yours, you've seen some of my shots, and I've seen some of the guys' shots. It's incredible, the photos that we got, just from the iconic areas, but what we've Mm. put our take on it. And again, don't forget, the sky is always going to be different, isn't it? Yeah. Now, if truth be known, I don't think I did myself justice in the Dolomites. Norway, I think I I killed it. I'm... 
I got such great photographs in Norway. I was delighted with what I got. Whereas in Dolomites, don't get me wrong, I loved the trip. I thought it was brilliant. But I didn't get as creative as I could have with my compositions. And I think I let myself down in that sense of things. I don't know. I still have some great photographs. Don't get me wrong. But I just, I didn't do as good as I thought I my expectations were going there. I, okay, I could, I could see why you would say that too, based on the conditions that we would have had. So it was always going to be a challenge point of view. But, you know, you say there, when I was feeling the pressure when we were up in Tres Chimay, I remember when we got to Tres Chimay, you went further on up. And the first thing you did was set up your camera for the time lapse. Mm-hmm. So we had a very limited, even limited, limited window to where we wanted to go up there. So you had spent your time saying, okay, I want to capture this time lapse because you were focused on getting the epic time lapse footage. So maybe you may not think you did yourself justice from a photography point of view, but you're also a filmmaker now. Yeah. So you were doing both. And I'm sure you're going to come back with, from the time lapses I've seen so far, you're going to come back with saying, I absolutely did myself justice because I actually honed the craft of mm. setting it up for the time lapses. So there will be positives that will come out of it for sure. Yeah, I agree. The the, the time lapses now, the, you are right. So I, I did make a conscious effort to make sure that they were right straight away as much as I possibly could. Like even Hazel, one of the girls on the trip to the Dolomites, has a picture of me up in uh, Tracia May. And it, it, perspective is a big thing in photography. And it yes. looks like I'm almost hanging off a cliff setting up the, the time lapse. Now, I was actually quite close, but the picture looks far more dangerous than it really was. It was such a cool photograph. I loved it. I must actually, must actually see if I can get it off her. So uh, if any of you want to check her out, Hazel Bradley on Instagram, awesome photographer. Um, yeah, wicked. I, yeah, I, I did set up that time lapse on the edge cliff just up there straight away and then once I had that then I got to get drone footage and then I finally started taking a photograph and I just kind of just took a quick picture of the grand vista the grand scheme of things and then all of a sudden yeah we've my alarm went off on my phone yeah get back to the the snowmobile point or otherwise you're walking the whole way down well you, you know. didn't walk down trooping on like no jesus we sled it down <laughs> it was unreal i loved it man. we were going faster than snowmobiles yeah awesome i know it's that. incredible yeah even patrick's footage there uh of it to see it back you know i'm going man maybe i should have done that but no you know what somebody had to take the bags down so i was happy to to volunteer yeah. from it particularly after my first round of uh crashing it, was, it wasn't even sledding and my my job was just yeah. crashing really on the first row you know you just didn't know how to use your brakes yeah, exactly. I didn't stick my feet into the ground uh, Correct. far enough. I know that. I know that now. You know what I mean. But of course, when you're in I the, told you that after the first go. <laughs> I only had one go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If, 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 if no one knows what we're talking about, go watch Darren's vlog of the Dolomites. Uh, day one is it? What's the title of it, Darren? Uh, I actually got to go to the Dolomites. I actually got to go to the Dolomites. Right. Okay. And. This, this actually, my one will have aired the day before this podcast. So go check out my one as well. It's day one of the trip on YouTube. So yeah, yeah, check that out in both our vlogs, and you get to see some comedic 
gold of Darren's professional attitude towards <laughs> sledding. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, true story. And look, on that note, we're going to take one final break and we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by BG Landscape Tours. Bernard leads photo tours and workshops north as far as Lofoten Islands, Senje, Faroe Islands, Iceland, Scotland and as far south to the Italian Dolomites, Tenerife, Namibia and Botswana and not forgetting our own beautiful homeland of Ireland. Find out more at www.bglandscapetours.ie And you're very welcome back to the final part of this week's episode of the Irish Photography Podcast. And Dermot, a couple of things I'd like to allude to just to close out on this, right, is when you go and travel, you also get to experience things about the place that you're going to. Now, let's just say the photography point of view. So, number one is you get to try new food. Now, I yeah. know from your, from your point of view, that's always <laughs> going to be a challenge because yeah. you know, you're a very picky eater. But from my point of view, it definitely gives me an eye-opener to the different tastes of food that are out there so you know we went to italy and okay italy is known for its pizza pizza pizza, pizza. And pizza. it's <laughs> pizza, a mixture of pizza, pizza and pasta is pizza yeah <laughs> I've what's the, what you say what you go gravitity what is yeah, it? yeah yeah exactly yeah whatever oh. it was called but i've invented a new food for italy now called the pizza it's a mixture of pasta and pizza together it's pasta and go. pizza but when we went in and we were looking for food and stuff like that and i said it to you uh, at the time i said you know if there's calzone on a menu, I'll order calzone. But I mean, when I'm in Italy, I'm at there's calzone on every menu. So I mean, I'm going to have to order calzone every time or else I break it. And we broke it and I got a, whatever it was, Four Seasons pizza, right? But do you remember Bernard when he was ordering his pizza and he wanted to order a pizza with a certain oh, topic? Oh, Jesus Christ. I thought... <laughs> to introduce the Irish Bernard culture into the local foods. Yeah, Bernard nearly had a fit. He wanted pizza with chips on top of it and your one looked at him in disgust <laughs> how dare you even invent this horrid scheme of food and she refused to give give him pizza with chips on it so lo and behold after them two of them almost arguing about food he said okay can I have a pizza and can I have chips on the side exactly <laughs> and then when the pizza came out the chips got fired on top of it and then your one was still watching him Again, in disgust, in putting disgust. the chips on the pizza. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Loved it. Yeah. Yeah. So, of that trip, right, uh, like I say, pizza and pasta and stuff like that. What about when you went to, to Norway? Was there a specific type of food that you remember there? Uh, well, Fish? Let, let me lay the groundwork for what Norway actually really is. So, how do I explain this? Uh, do, do you ever see a program called Lilyhammer on Netflix? Uh, heard of it i've never seen it yeah so it's about this kind of kind of mob kind of not a boss but a mob worker kind of dude and he has to get deported not deported but he has to run away on their witness whatever and so to send him to Lilyhammer, and basically that's what it kind of really is it's kind of like deep snow everywhere it's cold it's icy uh, and the people there have fantastic English. It's 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 brilliant. Like I think I even talked about on the podcast. I was trying to talk to a woman about whether I should put milk or water in, in the soup, you know. And I was talking to her. Should I put milk 
are water in the soup and she turned around and she'd better English than me and she's like you put water in it <laughs> and I was there oh my god Jesus Christ and everyone was roar laughing in the shop not even just my crew but Pete Norwegian people just uh, I just felt like an idiot you know <laughs> but they, they have this sense of oldness to them do you know it doesn't make sense you'd have to see it for yourself and the food there right when you get to the airport it just now i i love bacon i love rashers i love you know that kind of meat yes but by the time i was going home to ireland i was glad not to smell bacon it's just Mm. it's very potent when you get there they'll love bacon and whatever way they cook it there's a smell of it and it's just i didn't really like that but the food over there was, it was fine. It was actually quite good. I couldn't complain in any way, shape or form. I'm still here today to tell you the story. So I've managed to eat food there. So it's all good. But we ate out in a restaurant once, I think only once because it, it's quite expensive there. So what we did is we went to supermarkets and we buy our own food and we'd make it back in the hut at Hamnoy. Mm-hmm. And it was fine. Do you know, you're you're looking for food there that you can cook, and you're trying to translate it on your phone. You're trying to figure out what what which is low fat milk, which is semi skim milk, and whatever. So you'd kind of type it into your phone, and now you get it. Like you know, but yeah, it's it's very similar to home, really mm. Ireland to food. So you you didn't try and bring any Irish food over and try and change the cultural aspect of Norway, like Bernard tried to do in Italy for the uh, Bernard pizza, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It wasn't like uh, what's that? Uh, beyond all borders, that Australian where all the the Asian people bringing in all these mushrooms and whatnot. Jesus, yeah, that's mad, isn't stuff. it? Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. And come here. The other point as well as well, and that is the different cultures of people. So what struck me about when we went to Italy? Now we stayed in a beautiful town called Cortina. I mean, it's beautiful. And I've I I suppose I've been talking to a few people about it and they're like, oh geez, you stayed in Cortina. Wow, that's a nice place. So we stayed in a nice place, right? Mm. But what I definitely what struck me was the fashion sense of the Italians. No I mean oh, yeah. like they get dressed up to go get the milk at the end of the, the, the driveway. I yeah. mean it's not a case of Asher and Grand I go out like this. They're getting dressed up and then with the ski gear the people what they were dressed up in is everyone like, looks hot. <laughs> it's like man it's like something out of a movie like do you know what yeah. i mean like when myself and bernard were on top of uh, chinkatori we were talking to this couple from russia and they were wearing um i don't know, I can't remember the brand of the clothing I remember bernard saying to me going that stuff there lad he says that's around three grand what the, your man has on him and they they the wife had the same and the two daughters are yeah, i think it was i don't know if they were a boy or a girl i can't remember because they got masks on but they had all matching outfits and wow. they I was thinking, okay, when I first saw them, I went, geez, that style. Turns out they were from Russia. So obviously Russian people have style too, but it was just incredible when you're walking down the street. Do, do, do you remember the guy at all that was walking with the big red jacket, no? And a peaked hat. And he was mm. walking with grandeur down the middle of the street in Cortina. And I mean, that's character that you wouldn't see. If someone like, dressed up like that here in Ireland, they'd be locked up the Wait, next day. Was that the night the girls carried me home? <laughs> No, that was the night after. <laughs> that was the night that we went to the restaurant and that we had Chateaubriand, which was the raw meat. Oh, my God, man. I thought I was going to get... I like medium rare. I really do. Yeah, but, but you should have asked for just, that there. Like, that was th- almost This blue. is blue meat. Yeah. I, I, I was just... 
I didn't feel the best after it. I have to say, well, yeah, yeah, it, it, it should have been cooked a bit more, to be honest with you. Yeah. But again, culture, because when you go to different places, they do their food differently. So what's medium to you is not medium to them, and yeah. that's I think where you get a massive difference. So it's great to be able to experience that. And again, it's the joys of going traveling, um, but with your camera, because we can now not only experience all these things like food, you can experience that if you're going on holidays anyway, you can experience the culture if you're going on holidays anyway, you can experience a number of other things, but with the camera, we go and take pictures. And now it brings me to the last point I want to make, and it is we all have a camera in our pocket all the time on our phone. So technically speaking, very when true. Do, when you do go traveling, you are traveling with the camera every time. And I would encourage people to take it out to take photos on a regular basis. But don't just take snapshots. Take photos. You say, okay, that's a nice shot here. Could I make a nice photo out of it? Because you may not have to carry all your camera gear around, but you'll still get a nice photo on the phone. Um, sure. I, sure. I, I, an iPhone is what? 12 megapixels. So you can actually print a decent size on a 12 yeah. megapixel camera. You yeah. can print a 12 by 8. Uh, 12 by 8. No problem. Absolutely. And the, the, the sensors on these iPhones, and even, is it a Pixel Google camera it's what it's got a like effect and lens in it yes they're very very good like we're spoiled with what we have technology wise these days and there's no such thing i don't care what you say there's no such thing as a bad camera these days none no there isn't and you know everybody like i said has it in their pocket with them when they are traveling they can capture candid moments but when you start now moving over to video and you start recording things with video you not only can capture moving image but you can also capture sounds and you can capture uh, expressions on people's faces and laughter from people and stuff like that and mm. something that came to mind to me when we were uh, <laughs> I laugh every day I think about it here when we were going up on the last day up to Cicada and we oh, got yeah. onto the gondola <laughs> and we got into the first gondola which had eight seats and you leave all your skis and snowboards outside in a slotting area or whatever and we're yeah. all there with our camera bags so we get up to the first level anyway and off we go and we get uh, waiting to queue in to get into this gondola and everybody was all crushing 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 together because we were on the pretty much the first ones in the morning when we were going up yeah so it's like the doors opened it was like and they're off and everybody just flowed flowed straight into the whole thing and it was do you remember it it was like geez you couldn't move you couldn't move it was like those videos in china where they just squashed the people and you, you think how can more people get on that and they do more people seem to be able to get onto this thing and i just yes. I was like a squashed rat inside there. I actually couldn't turn to my left or my right because I was so squashed. And that's what something extremely funny happened is that, well, I don't know who did it first, but all of a sudden, all of us, every single one of us went, <laughs> but in different oh tones as well. So the phone came out, it recorded it. You could hear the laughter of people around the place. You could hear the different bah, 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 sounds that we were making. But what yeah. really got it for me, because... We, I laughed at the time and I didn't realize it was being recorded. But then I, what I saw was the conductor who was sitting in the chair. And I'm sure he does this monotonous job. Push a button up, push a lever down, push a lever up, push a lever down. Yeah. And I looked at him where we were doing it and his face, the bottom lip was quivering. He was trying to hold back the laugh <laughs> so much. So, you know, the fact there that we had the phone and it was recorded we can relive that again. I mean, I, I'm going to put it into the video because I just think it's fantastic, you know. Um, so people will be able to relive it with us once the videos go live. But if we didn't do that and we didn't record that, 
it would be a memory, yes, but now we can relive that even more and more. So I would encourage people, you know, when you are going on holidays, you always have got a camera with you. So, you know, take it out more, take more photos more. Are you saying it? <laughs> Just a bit of a spoiler. <laughs> Yeah, I laugh every time. So yeah, just you know, bring your cameras with you, take it out more, take some photos and just you know, enjoy it. But definitely think about it more if you wanted to go travelling with your big camera gear too, because it's really, really rewarding and for all the reasons that we mentioned on uh, the pod this evening, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. I I had such a good time in in the last two years in my in my travels away. And not just away out of this country, but travelling up north or down south, west or east. I mean, just get out and go somewhere new. Spock your trend. Like, for me, it's always County Clare. I'm always going to County Clare. Don't get me wrong, I love County Clare. It's probably the most beautiful place I feel in Ireland. But, man, like, go to South Cork or West Cork. Go to Kerry. Go to Galway. Go somewhere new. You know, experience something new for a change. Or if you can, get out of the country. Go to uh, the, the Lake District. Go to France. Go to Italy. Go to Tenerife, Lanzarote, anywhere. Just do something new and buck your trend. Yep, good point. So listen, look, Dermot, I've enjoyed the chat there this evening. Um, if anybody wants to catch up with or keep in contact with the chat, they can follow us on Facebook. Just search for the Irish Photography Podcast or have a look for us on Instagram. And uh, Dermot from Cork HQ, it's been a great episode, man. Until the next time, stronger phone. Ayo. Hey, guys. If you dig what you're hearing why don't you jump over to itunes spotify or wherever you get your podcasts give us a five star rating and don't forget to share with your friends with all that done we'll see you next week and remember keep shooting